Family portrait. We have a series image for this series. Take a look up here. Got some interesting looking families. I kind of think Chad's in that bottom left one. I think I think that's I think that's kind of him. Anyway, we're going to be using actually these pictures throughout our series just to get us thinking about different dynamics that go on in families and how God can help us deal with family life. Now, a family portrait is a visual or a verbal description of what a family looks like or how it's made up. It's a snapshot of the people with all the dynamics, the difficulties, the differences, the good and the bad. That's, that's what we mean by family portrait, just an image we have in our mind or here that describes how a family's running. Now, in this series, we're going to look at these kinds of things that are active in family life, and the approach we're going to take is this. We're going to take one of those portraits each week and tell a story that could be true of that family. And then these stories we're using will address the types of things that you guys helped us with recently by doing the survey questions we asked you. So thanks for that help, and we're using your questions about family life in this series. Now, then we're going to go to the Bible to look for insights that address issues in family life. Now, we have a theme verse that we'll be looking at each week. Here's our theme verse for this series from the Old Testament book of Proverbs, chapter 7, verse 4. Make insight a treasured member of your family. Make insight a treasured member of your family. Insight. It's a, it's a great word. It means understanding and wisdom and knowledge. And so, we're seeing right here that we need this, especially in family life. We need insight, okay? And it's so important that it's elaborated on a little bit in this verse. Look at the next phrase. Make insight what? A treasured member of your family. Don't just say we need insight to be part of our family, you know, a little biblical guideline here, a little bit of knowledge there. No, no, no. We're saying, or the, the word is helping us to see that insight should be treasured. We should treasure God's insights for our life, and particularly in this series, for our family life. If we do that, it will make a huge difference in our life if we learn to treasure the insights God has for us. Now, uh, I have a treasure in my family. H have I told you about? Uh, we're in. I have a granddaughter. Okay, well, just, just wanted you to see. That's her and Grandma from last week. We were in San Diego with the kids and just had a wonderful time and didn't think about you at all. No, we did. We did. Our, our hearts, you know, we, we maybe prayed for you a little. Anyway, we treasure baby Olive. She's such a gift to our family. Well, just like treasuring a child, God wants us to treasure his insights for our families. He really cares a lot about your family issues and dynamics and relationships. And so the cool thing is that he has provided for us all the help we need in the scripture, and that's what we're going to be doing in this series. All right, so um, y'all take a look at our family for this week. Here we are. This is, this is a family pick for, for this week, and so we're going to talk about this, you know, what could be true about this family. If you happen to know these people for real, um, we're making these stories up, so don't go, I didn't know that. <laughs> we're just making it up, all right? But um, here we go. So mom, mom goes to church regularly, faithfully, and she, she really tries to get her husband to go and the, and the kids to go, but if you were to ask him, ask dad, uh, he would say, church really ain't my thing. Uh, and I just, you know, you can go. He, he tells us, you know, we got our own agreement. 
And so what happens is the kids, she wants the kids to go to church with her too. She wants them to follow God. But the kids say, well, dad's not going. So I'm, I don't need to go. And dad kind of doesn't back her up. And he's like, hey, they can stay home if they want. It's all right. It's no big deal. So, yeah, that kind of causes a little tension. Mom doesn't really know what to do about it, but she's, she doesn't really know how to, how to handle things. But she knows she wants her family following God, but they're not, they're, not, they're not going along with her plan. Well, what happens is mom and dad, unfortunately, end up arguing about this from time to time. As a matter of fact, not only that, but they argue about everything, it seems. Uh, every single day, mom and dad are yelling at each other about something, that they're, you know, they're button heads about something. They're not agreeing about something. And it, it has actually gotten so bad that the kids, they're afraid to even bring people over to the house because their mom and dad might be arguing, and it's embarrassing. You know, you know their folks just, eh, all the time. So they just don't even bring people over. They, they try their best to stay away as much as possible. Now, the, the youngest guy there, the youngest brother, out of all the kids, he seems to be doing okay. Uh, you know, he's, he's a little young. He just kind of goes with the flow. But the other kids... Well, every one of them, if you were to ask mom and dad in this family, every one of them is moody, and they are argumentative, and they're just, they're, they're disrespectful, they're, they're just, they don't get along, they, they buck against mom and dad all the time, and particularly the girl. She seems, out of all this family, she seems to be the one that's the most hateful and the most, just the most angry, and if you were to really get their history what it's about is this. this uh, the girl and the oldest brother, they have a different dad. And this girl, she feels like her dad, her real dad, she feels like he's abandoned her. And he doesn't ever call. He doesn't reach out. You know, she feels like he has left her. And so she's, she's pretty much upset about that and mad at the world uh, over that situation. Now, in, the dress, in, I'm sorry, in addition to um, dre- dressing up like Trekkies for their family photo... This family has some interesting dynamics, some interesting differences, and some difficulties. So we're going to take a look today at what could help this family. Now, our story highlights this question. How can mom help make God first in her family when her spouse and kids are resistant? What, what can she do? Well, our first biblical insight for this series is found in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to look at two verses there, verse 4 and verse 7. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 7. Love is patient and kind. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. To help make God first in your family, concentrate on yourself first. Concentrate on yourself. Ask yourself the, the, the tough questions. Is God first in my life? Do I love God more than anything with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Am I seeking to, to live the way I think he wants me to? Is God first in me? Concentrate on yourself. Let God deal with you. And then patiently love the family. Patiently love the rest of the family. We know this, but it's important to say it. We can't force anybody to love God. Parents raising your kids up, you do all you can, you try to, you know, just raise them right, and we'll talk a little more about that later, but we can't force anybody to love God, but we can concentrate on ourselves and 
love them really well. Look back at that verse with me. It's love is amazingly powerful. Look how strong love is. It's patient and kind. It never gives up. It never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. So our mom in the story, if she would latch onto that, it could help her a lot. And her prayer could be, God, help me to live with this kind of love for my family, to be patient and kind, to never give up on them, to never lose faith with them, to always stay hopeful and positive and to endure through the, the tough times. Love always impacts hearts. And say that again. Love always impacts hearts. You may not see it in people's lives when you serve them and love them in different ways, but it does touch their heart, especially if you're being motivated by God to love well and saying, Lord, help me love them well, it'll impact them. And over time, it can make a huge, huge difference. Chad and I in our careers have seen this numerous times when a spouse just says, hey, I'm just going to focus on me and pray for the family and love them and serve them. And we've seen over time things change and that family changes. So love always impacts hearts. So let love lead your family to God. Okay. Turn the mic on. Okay. So what should the kids do about their parents arguing? We got what mom can do, how, what she can, how she can go about maybe helping her family. What about these kiddos? Mom and dad are arguing all the time. What should these kids, what should they do about it? Should they uh, get in the middle of it? You know, take sides and, you know, you're always after mom. You're always after and you don't ever, you know, should they do that? Uh, should they disregard everything their parents say because it's obvious mom and dad ain't got all their stuff together? That they are, they don't, they don't know everything, and they have flaws. Should the should the kids just say, you know what, I just got some really messed up parents, and I need to find my own way? Well, the answer to both those questions is no and no. Uh, those aren't that those aren't the healthy approaches to the situation these kids are in. Or get, or these kids are in. Sorry, um, getting in the middle. Uh, if you're a kid here today, and by the way, if you have parents, you're a kid. Uh, <laughs> If, if you're, you got folks that are argue all the time, and they're always at each other's, each other's throat, and you're embarrassed about it especially, what can you do? You know, if you get in the middle of it, it's not going to help. Most likely, what's going to happen is you're going to find yourself in some trouble. If you get in the middle of mom and dad arguing and try to take sides, most likely, you are going to take some fire yourself. And it could go along something like, uh, this isn't any of your business, get out. Uh, you know, you stay out of it. Something to that effect. But it's really not the child's job to parent the parents. Any parents agree with me on that one? Okay, You're, most of y'all's kids aren't in here. You can raise your hand. <laughs> um, the, the second thing is this, you know, disregarding or disrespecting your parents is never the right option. It's never the right way to go. It's never the healthy way to go. And again, it doesn't matter if you're living at home or you're a 38 like me. And <laughs> man, and you have, it's just not the way to go. Neither is lying. And so even though parents have flaws, even though they, you know, they don't have everything together, some parents legitimately are bad parents. But none of that is a reason to disregard and dishonor them. Uh, as a matter of fact, 
your folks have God's support and they have his authority concerning their children. Now, these, these kids that we're looking at uh, today, they, they all live at home. And so their parents have that authority uh, in their lives. But it, I may sound like, great, well, what are we supposed to do? Just go, well, let me help you out. Here's what the kids should do. The first thing, the first, or the biblical insight to treasure here is this. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2 and 3. Talking to everybody that has parents. Honor your father and mother. This was the first of the Ten Commandments with a promise attached. You will prosper and live a long, full life if you honor your parents. Now, let's, let's define it a little bit. Uh, if you've been in church a long time, you've heard this before. And if you're a kid at home, your parents are arguing all the time. At this moment, you're like, oh, great. I'm being told this again. Well, hold on with me for a second. Here's what honor is, to show a courteous regard for to respect, to actually show love to. It doesn't mean that you sin or do wrong for your parents. It doesn't mean that you don't disagree or you can't because let's just face it, we're all going to disagree at some point or another with our folks. Uh, it doesn't mean that you can't protect yourself from harm. None of that has anything to do with honoring your parents. According to God, we should have a courteous regard for and respect for parents, even though they have flaws, even if they argue all the time and they don't seem to have it all together, we should still have that courteous respect for. We should let them parent us without having an attitude about it. Uh, we should let them parent us without um, rebelling and fighting against them, without judging them and convincing ourselves that they're always wrong. That this is the approach, this is the biblical insight to kids who have parents who have flaws. Now, if that happens to be you, if you're in that same boat, that our kids in, in, in the portrait today and parents argue and they bicker all the time and they're just messing up left and right, the next time that your parents argue, the next time they mess up, and folks, especially those of you that are parents, uh, we mess up. Sometimes we know we don't have it all right. So even even when those things happen, first thing you should do is pray for your parents. God help them. God uh, touch their lives and and then make it a point to honor them that very day, that same day that your parents have messed up again or argued again or embarrassed you again. Take the time to honor them that day on purpose. Show them your love that day on purpose. Because just like Ed said, and we read in the Bible that love never misses its mark. I guarantee you kids with your folks or children with your parents, if you take, make it a point to honor them and to show love to them, especially on the days when they mess up, it is going to impact their life and it, it's going to be a blessing. Now, here, here's one more part to that scripture we just read. God gives a promise to the kids, and it's this, that you can prosper and live a long, full life. This is more than about just your parents and their flaws and all this. It's about you. If I honor my parents, if you honor and have a courteous regard for them, God says you'll prosper. That's a big deal. And you'll have a long, full life. I think I can take that. 
I think I, I would like to have that, and, and so, should, so should you. Kids can have a long, full life despite what their parents' flaws are if we will have that courteous regard for them. We will respect them if we'll honor them. God uh, kind of takes up our cause and helps our lives when we do that. Honoring parents doesn't mean that they're going to change right away. We want to be honest here at Ignite Church. We, we try to be really truthful and, and let's be clear. It doesn't actually mean that they're ever going to change. But what it does mean is that love is going to impact them. Let me, let me revert. It may, they may never change outward. You might not see it happen. But it's going to touch their heart. And it does mean that the kids can be blessed by God. All right, let's talk about the parents in our story this morning. As a parent, how do I deal with a teenager who sometimes who's had her heart broken and mean and hateful? Or how about the teenage daughter who's had her heart broken by her biological father? He's practically abandoned her, and she now is constantly acting out anger. How, how do you deal with this as parents? Well, first we want to say good parenting ain't easy. <laughs> we just all want to admit it is not an easy job to be a good parent. And I've never met a perfect one. I know I'm sure not a perfect parent. And so it, it just helps me to take a step back and say, okay, this is hard. I really need God's help more, big, big, big time. So parenting's not easy. When the kids are little, it can be exhausting physically. You know, my new, our granddaughter, Olive, you know, she's takes her naps and wakes up, and then, you know, I can just, I saw my son and daughter-in-law. They were doing okay, but they, were, they was tired. <laughs> They're just, they wear you out a little bit. But then as they get older, if you have older kids, teenagers, that physical exhaustion diminishes, but now it's mental and emotional because you're trying to help them deal with life and teenage issues and all that stuff. And so it can be mentally and emotionally exhausted, exhausting. So uh, parenting just isn't easy, but God wants to help us. Now, here are some insights we can treasure to help us with our kids. Look at here. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. And fathers, do not drive your children mad, but nurture them in the discipline and teaching that come from the Lord. Do not drive them mad. Do not unnecessarily frustrate them where they're just going crazy, basically, because the way you're parenting. Now here, this last phrase, I want to look at it first, the discipline and teaching that come from the Lord. It, it's talking about a home that's trying to live according to God's ways, God's standards, God's principles. So this idea of discipline is, is large. We'll look at, and this verse starts with the wrong way, being so harsh that the kids are just full of angry, anger and resentment all the time. So the word discipline literally has these three facets of meaning. Number one, it means to correct. And so you're addressing misbehavior or a bad attitude or a mis, you know, something they said. It means to correct. It also, though, means to teach. Now, little Johnny, we've talked about how we've learned from the Bible that love is kind, like we read earlier. Uh, were you kind to Susie? No, no. Well, you need to be kind. Let's talk about that. So there's a teaching element to raising our children in the discipline and nurture of the Lord. And then there sometimes needs to be that punishing element. Discipline can mean to punish. And little Johnny, this is the 10th time today you've been unkind to little Susie. We, we got to take this to another level. Evidently, I'm not getting through to you. So correction, teaching, and punishing are all part of the right kind of discipline where we lovingly address the issues and problems that are going on in our kids' lives. 
Now, here's, here's the cool thing. Here's your ultimate goal. Your ultimate goal is not to have a perfect child. I mean, you'll, that'll never happen, right? Because nobody gets perfect. But we can have this goal that as we raise our kids, that they have a relationship with God of their own. They say yes to Jesus. They have a meaningful, real relationship. And as they are growing in that, in their younger years, heading into their teenage years, you can start to say, now, how do you think God feels about that? Or, you know, just what, what do you think? What do you think is up with God? And you just lay, lay, it, lay it on them for a minute. And if the Holy Spirit's within them, they'll say, yeah, I knew I was blowing it when I headed that way. And God was screaming, no, but I did it anyway. Yeah, yeah, I got this Holy Spirit wanting to help you, wanting to guide you, wanting to bless your life. So your ultimate goal is for them to learn to hear from God. And he is the governor in their life. He is the discipliner. He is the one who's correcting and teaching them. And he'll bring punishment if he has to as well. So that's our ultimate goal in parents, and that encourages me because I can work towards that. You know, I can talk to little Johnny about biblical principles and Bible verses and go to church and pray with them and worship as a family. I can do all these things that can really help them connect to God so that ultimately their relationship with God is what is impacting their life. And I need to say something really strong here. Please hear this. Please hear this. Parents, your job is to be a parent, not a friend. Our kids need us to be their parents. They've got friends, but they need you to be the parent, okay? The one who takes very seriously the responsibility from God to try to raise our kids in this nurture and discipline and teaching that comes from God. Here's a saying I I, uh, think speaks to us. If I'll parent my kids now, I can be friends with them later. But if I'm just their friend now, I may lose them later. I've seen kids growing up and just out of control, no discipline, whatever. And the older they get, the worse it gets. And I have these thoughts, wow, that that kid could end up in prison. I mean, man, such violence and anger at 13. Well, that's what can happen if a parent tries to just be a friend. He can lose that kid. Parents, it's fine for your kids to be mad at you. If your kids are never mad at you, you might not be parenting quite as thoroughly as God wants you to. I mean, sometimes you get that real compliant child, but if you got more than one, chances are they're not both that way, or not all the time at least. So if I parent now, I can be their friend later. Lori and I love the fact that we're friends with our adult kids. They're not perfect, but we're friends with them now. We tried to parent them when they were home. Now, look back at the beginning of this verse. It says, fathers, do not drive your kids mad. Don't frustrate them. It doesn't say parents, okay? I think this verse is helping us to see the point that fathers are the source of discipline in the home. Let me say that again. The dad should be the ultimate source of discipline in the home. Does that mean mom didn't ever have to correct or punish? Oh, no, not that at all. But he's, he's the one there. And so kids growing up should kind of see it like this. Here's mom, and there's dad, and here's God. <laughs> and, they, you know, they're lined up. I need to get in line too. And so it's the father who can most easily frustrate the kids by being too harsh, by unnecessarily being too demanding. And so this father role of being the source of discipline is so important. And let me throw this in, fathers, especially with boys as they're growing up, as they enter into teenage years 
and you know, junior high and high school age, I think it's extra important that the father becomes the direct source of discipline. I think by then, in a sense, mom's job's done. Most moms, their great gift is nurturing and love and care, and they just nurture those kids. But those boys, they now need to start to learn what it is to be a man and to grow up. And so in our family, we tried this and had some success where by junior high, when one of the sons would mess up, Lori wouldn't even get involved at all. She'd just say, hey, this happened, and I'm on it. I'm the dad. They need to get this straight from me. And so it began to have a dynamic that was healthy. Now, there were times it wasn't easy in our life. My oldest son, Joel, was a very demanding child. <laughs> we, we had a nickname for him. We, we said that uh, he was a walking black hole, just <laughs> sucked the life out of you. You know, there were times, literally, we had to say, Joel, time out. I got three other kids. We've been talking for two hours. I'm sorry. Yeah, we'll talk some more later. He was that demanding and that intense. Well, in his teenage years, like a lot of kids, he you know, dealt with a little bit of rebellion and disrespect and stuff like that. Well, one day, he went way too far. He just disrespected his mom big time. And they knew, hey, you know, we can go back and forth a little bit. You disrespect mom, you're in trouble because she and I are one, and you, know, you need to honor mom. And so one day, Joel went way over the line, disrespecting Lori, and I said, that's it. That is it. So I took him in the den, I sat him down, and I took the next son, too, Daniel, who was a few years younger, but I thought, you need to hear this, too. Poor Daniel, he got in on so much because of Joel. Anyway, I sat him down, and I said, Joel, here's what you did. You disrespected your mom, and you know how bad that is in this house. Yes, sir. All right, well, I'm telling you right now, I'm done with it. The next time you disrespect your mom, I've got a shed in the backyard. That's where you're going to sleep, and I mean it. You will sleep in the shed till I'm convinced you can respect your mom. He looked at me kind of like, oh, Daniel's going, dude, don't say it, don't say it. You know, <laughs> it was funny, but it helped. It helped. It helped change his attitude because I took my role as that source of discipline with my sons. Now, Joel, of course, today is the pastor, right? I mean, didn't that just figure? Yeah, he's the pastor. And Lori and I listened to his messages online, and he was talking one day in, in his sermon and he starts talking about parenting, and he tells them this story. When I was a teenager, I disrespected mom and dad, hammering me, blah, blah, blah. You can just hear the crowd go, whoa, that's harsh. And then Joel said, that was good parenting. See, he still remembers that to this day and sees that that was me trying to be the father I needed to be. So to sum it up, here's, here's our summary point that uh, I want to use to put this all together. In our parenting, we should sympathize with our kids. We should be loving, not harsh and frustrating them. We should sympathize with our kids, but not compromise. There's lines that need to be drawn. And back to dads one last time. Dads, I think you're the guy with the marker drawing the lines of discipline in the home. Sympathize with our kids, but not, don't compromise. All of our family portraits have, uh, they, they depict and they give a description and, uh, of dynamics and differences and difficulties that we have. Um, if we will treasure God's insights, some of the things that you heard today and you'll hear throughout this series, if we'll treasure them, then when we look at our own family portraits, because right, we look at our family portraits differently. Other people see them and like, oh, look, they're smiling, or they're this and they're that. We know the real story behind that picture. 
And if we'll follow and treasure God's insights when we see the, our own family portraits, we'll have a, a sense of, of joy, happiness, and it'll be, it'll be one of those good, this is great, I, I love my family feelings. We can have that if we will grab hold of the insights that God gives us through the Bible. Y'all stand up with us this morning. We want to pray for you, and we want to pray for your families. And during this series, we want to invite you to come and, and just be a part. Each week, there's going to be several different things that we talk about. And, and again, thank you so much for submitting those questions that helped us reach out to the things that you might be going through. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for each and every person in here today. God, we thank you for our families, and we just pray that each week that we come, that you give us something that we can apply to our lives, that we can, we can put into to motion in our families. We want, to, we want to hear what you're saying to us. God, we want, we want our families to be full of life and full of joy and, and full of strength to even go through some difficult times. And we pray that you, you, you grab hold of each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that you speak to our hearts today and help us to hear the things that you're saying to us. We do pray that you would bless each and every family represented here this morning and bring us back next week to hear and to grab hold of more of what you're saying to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.